morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Happy New Year to you all. Uh, we hope we had a fantastic uh, New Year, as well as fantastic as it could be in the circumstances anyway. Uh, joining me this evening um, to my... I've got to work this out again because we're on, we're live on camera and I've got to work out on <laughs> my... Oh, I'm pointing the wrong way. On my left. Yeah, that's on. Yeah. There we go. There he is. It's John Anderson. Good evening, John. Good evening, Cammy. Good evening, everybody that's watching. Uh, you have a good New Year, John. Good Christmas break. Yeah, yeah, within reason. It's uh, obviously <laughs> with the with the way things are. It's uh, had to be quite a quiet one, but uh, yeah, it was nice. Uh, the weather's been pretty decent up here since Boxing Day, so yeah. we've been uh, able to get out and about. I got to build a snowman between Christmas oh, and New Year. Oh yes, we got two out of a very thin layer of snow in the back garden. So that was that was glorious. <laughs> um, we're, we are, of course, and we're in lockdown three, I think, officially. I was trying to think, I can't think of any third part of any trilogy that's actually any good. No, it's a it's a valid point. I mean, there's plenty of arguments. Rise, of, Rise of the Machines, Terminator. Is it Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines? Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. That was awful. Yeah, yeah. Back to the Future 3 definitely the weakest of the three, although it's a strong trilogy yep. overall. Um, Alien 3 was pretty rubbish. Uh, what's the other third one you've got? Uh, oh, Return of the Jedi. It's the weaker of the three original trilogy. Yeah, it's not Empire. Yeah. God, Godfather three. Ooh, I mean, this is the Godfather three of lockdowns. <laughs> it is the Jaws. It's even worse. It's the Jaws three D of lockdowns. <laughs> that's what we're in. We're having to resort to gimmicks yeah. to get through it. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so you can get involved. We're live now on YouTube, Twitch. Uh, and Periscope, as well as uh, some other places as well. So if you want to get involved in the comments uh, live, we will uh, deal with them. Uh, hello to Andy Lone and Dougie Lowe, who are joining us so far. Andy's asked a, a question that we're going to address later on about the Six Nations. So we will get on to that. Andy, thank you very much for joining us uh, live. Uh, you can also catch this later. You can download it as an audio podcast on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else that you can get your audio podcasts as well and visit the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk uh, where you find more details about the podcast and also some um, wee bits and pieces. Uh, John, you've just done a, a review of the 1872 Cup. Uh, not really yeah. to be cheerful, but... Um... Yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, I think it, it had inspired me by its uh, desperate nature uh, to try and find some sort of... Um, just something to write about. So, some, some hope. Uh, yeah yeah there is none we've got alistair duncan donald said die hard 3 was a good third installment die hard with a vengeance is a, it's better than die hard 2 not better than die hard yeah i mean it's an acceptable movie and like you've said it yourself it was a good third installment but i mean relative to the first die hard it was it was still rubbish so yeah and they, and it wasn't at christmas so they did have to resort to a gimmick although this exactly. is at christmas ironically <laughs> Yeah, so this will be the this will be the Christmas movie that we'll. This is we'll Die Hard watch. Two. <laughs> um, God knows what the lockdown will look like when it's die, the Die Hard they set in Russia. <laughs> I can't even remember what that one is called. Oh. Live free is no live free and Die Hard's Die Point Die Hard Four Point Oh, which is all right in itself. It's a good movie, yeah. but it's not a good. Die, yeah. It's not Die Hard or Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think I think you do have to take Die Hard and other action movies of that ilk with a certain pinch of salt. Um, it's like it's like the Glasgow Edinburgh rivalry. You just have to take it with a pinch of salt and, and not take it too seriously. Yes, that's a good 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 point. Um, we also have a Patreon. Um, which you can find the details scrolling along the bottom of the screen now, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. And for £3 a month, you get in the Richie Vernon Thunderdome. That gets you access to ad-free versions of the audio podcast, a mini podcast where I count all the rambling bits where we talk about Die Hard for the first 20 minutes of the podcast. <laughs> um, the best bits. Just cut straight to the news. It's normally about half an hour long, um, kind of little edited version of it. Uh, we also do extra exclusive bonus content so right after this tonight, John and I are going to do an, a little podcast on uh, the financial status of the SRU. And we've had some questions from our patrons who are members of a super secret social media group. So you get access to that as well. 
If you pay five pounds, though, you get in the Dougie Donnelly Members Lounge. If you pay five pounds, you get your name sh- shouted out on the podcast. We haven't had any five pound members that I'm aware of uh, that have signed up since the last podcast. If anybody has signed up for five pounds since the last time we did a podcast, give me a nudge. I'll give you a double extra super shout out next time round. <laughs> uh, so we've got that this week. Our exclusive content is going to be that. Hopefully, pre-lockdown, we were planning on doing uh, Scotland's hardest ever players. I'm still planning on doing that this month. If we can do it, it just depends on the logistics of lock the, and the constrictions of lockdown and, and finding time to do that. It is still being planned to do that this month. Hopefully. It's interesting, isn't it? That Scotland's hardest player has is it's kind of following the current situation out there, and that <laughs> we are. But it's it is it's promised forever, but it might not ever happen. Yeah, <laughs> just like our freedom. <laughs> I will say, and thank you, Dougie Lowe um, has uh, suggested some marvellous uh, examples that we wouldn't have covered had we not delayed. So the delay has has led us to un- un- uncover some um, unknown gems in the uh, Scottish Rugby Hardest Player history. So we're looking forward to covering those a There's little bit. Some, some really, really good suggestions from yeah. folks and... Um, you know, you think you sit here and you say, ah, you know, you get your kid on, you know, a wee bit about rugby, but it's the the more personal stories that you hear coming out from these these uh, people. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. So if you want to contribute to that, you have to be a patron because we, we asked the patrons who they thought we've done it ourselves amongst the people that appear, those of us that appear regularly on the podcast. We've gone to the pundits as well. and We've got some pundits choices that hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll get those up on the blog for people to look at. But the final selection will be Patreon-only content, so you'll have to sign up for that. Um, we are also, anyone noticing, we, we are brought to you in partnership with Manscaped officially now. We are now official Manscaped partners, um, <clears throat> so we are being paid for that. I have to make that very clear. This is a paid partnership by Manscaped. Now, uh, those who listen to the podcast will know that if you enter the code SRP at manscaped.com, you get 20% off plus free shipping. And what you get, you can get, um, we've got this, they sent us, the, we got this, this was our initial kind of, in return for the initial sponsorship, we got a little, a wee kit, a wee wash bag, didn't we, John? Yep, no, a wee leather bag, this, it's very, very good quality. <clears throat> excuse me, this is, now I have to get the name of this right, this is their, um, they've got the lawnmower, this is the little pack that you get if you sign up for this, you can buy the, in, the individual, you get the, the wee trimmer for your nethers, it's got a lovely wee LED light on. It's uh, quite neat. It's good for the face. I don't, I don't use it downstairs. I will say I'm not a trimmer downstairs. That will upset my mum. She gets upset with this section of the podcast. She does listen. <laughs> she gets upset that we talk about this on the podcast, but I'm not going to stop. We've got this paid partnership till March, mother. <laughs> uh, you also get Crop Reviver. Now, is it the Crop Reviver? This is refreshing ball toner. John, did you find... Did I- you- and I'm a big fan of the crop reviver. I'll be not, honest. Not just I, for downstairs, though, John. You found not found just out. for downstairs. Uh, like for for example, this shiny dome up here. Um, anywhere that has um, skin that could be sensitive, after perhaps a shaving of your 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 um, your head, or um, we found that playing drums for two hours. Um, yep. If you've got tiny, tiny little sore fingers like me, I'm such a little millennial office worker. It's hilarious. <laughs> like two hours of work and I've got sore fingers. Um, yeah, no, it's brilliant stuff. Really, really good. It's like a wee moisturizer, isn't it? Just to kind of keep things yeah. nice and fresh. And then you also get this this crop preserver ball deodorant. Um, no, which is anti That was the one I wrote my. That's the one I wrote my uh, the Christmas miracle about, wasn't it? It was, yes. Uh, <laughs> an unpublished piece of work. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it it does it it apparently stops chafing. Now, I, obviously, um, when we've read up on this, chafing is a big issue apparently. Um, yes. Particularly for medical professionals um, who work long shifts, obviously. So, if you are someone that suffers from chafing, apparently that will help. Also, apparently, keeping trim downstairs can help. There's no, there's no yes. tugging and there's no um, pulling. Yeah, friction. Yeah, we've been asked to Manscaped have said it's it's New Year, New You. So maybe it's it's you know, like we said, it's lockdown three. You want to try something new? Maybe you live on your own. You don't have a partner. This is the chance to try it. You know, nobody's going to see you for three months. You know, <laughs> naked unless you send in unsolicited pictures, and that's not a good idea. I'm not going to advise that. Yeah, give it a go. We, we, we if you don't like it, it'll grow back. It, it will indeed. Yeah. You and can... yeah, 
Yes, you can also get this, which I have found useful. This is a they've got this. It's called the lawnmower. <laughs> this is a nose hair trimmer, and it is one I will say it's quite a comfortable nose hair trimmer. The one I bought um, previously or used previously was was a cheap wee thing, and it yanked the nose hair hairs out. But that's that's quite good. So it's not you don't have to sign up for the full package. Like I said, manscaped.com, Enter the code SRP, and you'll get twenty percent off and free shipping uh, for that. You can find details on the blog. Um, new year, new balls. Or new boars, as we should say, around this. New boars. New boars. New year, new boars. Hogman. I can't think. I'll think of a Hogman A pun later on in the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, if anybody's got any rugby puns that they want to uh, throw our way for for this for the next few months of this promotion, then obviously yeah. we're, we're, we're all ears. And in saying all ears, we are all freshly trimmed ears. Yes. With our little nose. <laughs> One more, yeah. So I can hear, hear you so clearly now, John. Especially exactly, the, age, yeah, the yeah. age that we are at. <laughs> this is the, the, like, the age we're pitching this podcast like, up. People that need to trim their ears. <laughs> um, I did say, I did. we put a poll on the Patreon to say to people, look, you know, do you want us to leave this section into the Patreon podcast? Overwhelmingly, people wanted to hear the smut and the innuendo. So <laughs> it's staying in. I will timestamp it, though, for people that don't want to hear it and they can skip ahead. Anyway, let's get on with some rugby chat because that's what people are here yeah. for 15 minutes into a podcast. Um, <laughs> the uh, bit of news today, Holly Davidson uh, has been announced as referee for Newcastle versus Cast in on the 16th of January in the European yep. Cup. That's I mean, a fantastic appointment. Um, great yep. to yep. see. I mean, um, I think since we were on air, Mike Adamson has also been added to the Six Nations roster as a referee. He has, yeah. He's got a game, uh, game in the 2021 Um Addition, um, assuming all goes goes swimmingly to plan. But you know, I was I, I saw the the Holly Davidson news earlier on. And I'm very pleased, obviously, and I think there's maybe a, an argument to be said that um, we played a small part in that and getting her on, on the club dinner. <laughs> the club dinner. She did a really good speech uh, for us. Did, yeah. For those that don't know about uh, being a referee and 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 how it had been, but. I mean, I, I, has there been any examples of referees who've been given? Because as far as I'm aware, she hasn't done a Pro 14 game. Um, she's run own, the so. line, I think, yeah. at the Pro 14. She's definitely on the line, but I don't know if she's done the Pro 14. But yeah, I don't know if there's an example of someone that's jumped straight into... A European Cup game she, or a European Challenge Cup, isn't it? She has done uh, women's... She, she has done women's internationals. Yep, I believe so. Um, she's re- definitely refereed those, and she's like I said, she's run the Ryan in the Pro Fourteen. Um, but for anyone that's seen her referee, she is one of the best referees I've seen in terms of the communication, in terms of the decisiveness, the way that she uses the TMO particularly. I think that she uses it as a it, it's a tool to be used rather than uh, uh, you know, rather than someone to listen to. You know, she. I think I saw it was the last. It was one of the finals at the at Murrayfield she did one year, and she just straight. You know, the TMO was was talking through something. She said, "No, that's fine. I made my decision and on with it." And that's what you want to see in a referee. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely going to be more of a place for that sort of. Um, that, that seems to be the kind of way referees are, or people are wanting referees to go. Is you know. There seems to be certain elements of the refereeing community have forgotten that they are actually in charge, and uh, you know the TMO is, as you say, a, a tool to be used to review things and not to be. Um, it's not to get every decision absolutely spot on, hundred percent. It's you know review stuff that's glaring errors. Yeah, I would say there's there's also um, I don't think he's uh, Sam Grove White is the other one to watch. I think he's very good young referees. I think he's kind of um, done some games where Holly Davidson's run the line and he's been in charge of the match. I think there was an Ulster game I watched a while again a while back, um, and just the way that they, they they communicated, the way they managed the game was was superb. So it's 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 actually quite exciting to see young good Scottish referees coming through, getting the recognition and getting the game time. Well, he done the he done the Glasgow Edinburgh game at the weekend. Yeah, of course, and uh, and he uh, was yeah. I mean. Very, very decent performance. Um, if you happen to stumble upon my alternative uh, match review, you'll note that I suggest that he might have been very sympathetic towards the west, uh, the west of Scotland um, fraternity in some of his decisions. So, um, but I thought I thought he was very good. Yeah, 
so it's exciting times for Scottish refereeing. We've not had any for a while, and there's a good young breed. There's also um, our own. I'm still going to claim it, even though it's been years since he's been on the podcast. We have our own Yuri Campbell as well, who is, uh, I think, kind of like sneaking around the fringes, and hopefully, you know, will be will be up there soon refereeing in the Pro Four. Once a blogger, always a blogger. Sort I think of, uh... so. I think once you're in, once you've appeared on the podcast, you you're in, and you're, you're always tent, always gang. always tainted by association. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we still use uh, through the blog. We still use the the Jamie Lyle connections and uh, and all that. And, and, stuff, yeah, Alan, still... Alan Dimmock still, you know, even though he's Dimmick, the fe- Dimmick, feature ed- features editor of Rugby World and also contributed to the Scottish Rugby Blog and Podcast. <laughs> Still gets a show every time. Yeah. So yes, that's good. A bit of good news. A bit of bad news. Uh, probably if you're on the east coast of Scotland, anyway, is that uh, Duhan van der Merwe has signed for Worcester Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, it's worth kind of discussing this because I think the, the it's a strange one because you can feel two things at the same time with this. You can acknowledge that in the current climate, the SRU don't have the cash to be able to keep someone like Duane van der Merwe after, especially after his performances in the autumn. On, we are in uncertain times, and we don't know where rugby's headed. So any chance this that that anybody's got to go and earn a decent living elsewhere, you can't. I can't fault them for it. Whether you know Scottish or no, you're not going to criticise them. You can also, at the same time, think that it feels weird that someone can get be qualified for Scotland through residency and suddenly move out of the country. And I don't, I don't think there's any cynicism about his move. I'm not questioning his commitment to Scotland. I just think if you if you're looking at it purely from an optics point of view, it doesn't look good. The, and I can understand why people therefore get... I'm not saying that I feel that way. Off he goes, earn his money, I'm happy for him, and I don't question his commitment to Scotland. But I can understand why people who are who are unhappy with the residency criteria would, would point to this and say, there's your problem, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you've, you've touched on many different parts of the argument. I think you're absolutely right. People who maybe don't support residency in the three-year format or even suggesting that residency in its entirety is a pointless endeavour will latch on to this and say, look, here's an example of a guy who's come over. He's a mercenary. He came over to boost his, boost his contract value and first chance he gets off he goes. Um, it's always going to be more complicated than that. And I think people, maybe this is a 2021 resolution, uh, but uh, trying to understand the, the human element behind it. Mm. Duhan van der Merwe, it's been well publicised that he only came over to Edinburgh because he had a very, very serious injury and was out of contract that wasn't wasn't getting a getting a contract anywhere. He he was under the impression his career might even have been over before it even began. Um so he's a, acutely aware of how quickly your career can end in rugby. And I have no problem whatsoever with the fact he's come over to Edinburgh and tore the trees up um to make space for Manny Murrayfield. Um <laughs> it's, it's um it's, it's, it's indicative of what type of person he is. And I think it's been really, I think it's really good that he's got the opportunity to go and be rewarded to that. If suggesting that going to Worcester is a reward, I'm sure the financial reward is good. But, you know, um, there's the other part of this that starts to look at, now I saw a very interesting debate about this to say that, right, so Duhan van der Merwe came over, gave three years, three very good years to Edinburgh, was top try scorer for them each of those years, um, has played a huge part in their revival um, over the last couple of years. And then you compare that to perhaps someone like Adam Hastings, a Scotch, Scots qualified player who, again, was coming from another country, coming up to Scotland from down south. And he's come in and obviously, you know, played played his part at Glasgow, 
but now he's off to Gloucester as well. Is there any difference, really, other than that idea that someone's just been capped? And you could make that argument for any young player coming through mm. who gets capped and then moves to another club. Whether they're Scots-born or not, I, I, I don't see it as being a, an issue of residency. It's an issue of timing. Yeah. Um, and his contract's up, so off he goes. Yeah, and I think that's that's the, the Adam Hastings example is a really good one because in, you could say cynically that Adam Hastings used Glasgow in exactly the same way as Duhan van der Merwe used Edinburgh. Adam Hastings' career was flatlining down south. He wasn't getting the game. He got some game time with Bath, wasn't getting loads of game time. Glasgow from a contract up, he comes and he gets game time, international experience, and as a result of that, has a better contract offer elsewhere, and off he goes. And it's no he's different. To move back down to a location that he's lived in in the past, yeah. where he was, you know, it's yeah, it's no different. And and also, I mean, and this is the the other side of this is like Hamish Watson's resigned a contract today, a long term contract. Now it's great news for Edinburgh, yeah. but just for a moment, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to upset Edinburgh fans here. I think. I'm I'm worried when a player of Hamish Watson's caliber resigns for Scotland, and I use you know um, Adam Hastings is an example. Duhan van der Merwe is an example. Stuart Hogg's an example. This Johnny Gray's an example. This guys moving to challenge themselves. Guys moving to clubs where they are going to be successful. Now Hamish Watson, I think, and I, you know, there was an interview with uh, Finn Russell where he was asked, you know, have you you know, did you speak to Hamish Watson about the Racing 92 speculation? And he said, yes. <laughs> so, so we can assume. And he said, oh, kind of talked around it a wee bit. But it, it sounds like there was definitely an offer on the table from Racing for Hamish Watson to go over there yep. and play. Now, I can understand, for, you know, Hamish Watson's kind of, what, he's 28, 29 now? Yep, yep, 28, yep. 29. He has been injured in the past, so... One side of the argument is he wants to do an Alan Wynne Jones. He's got a limited career time. He's getting a reasonable wage in Scotland. He can have his game time managed at domestic level and come in and play at international level and be at his best and be at his peak. And and I, I, I no argument with that at all. I think that's that's one decision that you could make. There's the other side of it though that I think he's twenty eight, twenty nine. You're not, and, and uh, this is true of Glasgow as well. Before people pick me, you're not going to win anything in Scotland domestically. Let's be right at the minute, as things stand, Glasgow and Edinburgh are in no shape to win the Pro 14 within the next couple of years. They're not in any shape to win anything in Europe in the next five years, realistically, because you've got the, both the squads no. are pretty weak at the minute. We'll come on to that later, no doubt. <laughs> so at 28 29, it, it, it smacks of a lack of ambition that you're happy to sign a long-term deal to stay with Edinburgh. Yes, it improves your international chances and what you might win a Six Nations with Scotland. And I'm being, that's me being generous. You may win a, a Six Nations with Scotland in the next few years with a good win behind you. You're not going to win a World Cup, so that's the best you can hope for. I don't understand why you wouldn't go and try and win a European Championship. We've got Johnny Gray won a European Championship within like, he played like five games for Exeter and won a European <laughs> Championship this year. Yeah. And, his ga- and the, all these players have kicked on. The players that moved, Finn Russell has kicked on. Finn Russell's a, a, a you know, a, he's a different player, a different class to when he left Glasgow. Johnny yep. Gray, even in a, in a few short months, is a different class to when he left Glasgow. Stuart Hogg, different player to when he left Glasgow. Why why not do that? That's that's the thing. And that's why I come back to Duhan van der Merwe. That shows, um, to me, not financial, but that shows ambition. That you want, I know it's, I know it's Worcester, but it shows ambition to go play in a different competition. I, th- I, th- I think there's a lot to be said for that, and um, you're absolutely right. I think we have had for so many years we had the top players in Scotland were not challenging themselves and not going, you know, or they were, but it wasn't working out. Thinking maybe Chris Patterson going to to Gloucester players. If we've to have if we if we believe that we have this kind of golden generation of players that are are world class, we use that term a lot. Do we have world class players? You cannot confirm that you are a world class player by playing five games in January and February in the Six Nations and playing for Glasgow or Edinburgh. It just doesn't happen. 
Sadly, you know, I, I wish for nothing more than we're Glasgow getting to semi-finals of European Championships and, um, you know, competing at the top of the league. It's not going to happen anymore for, for the foreseeable future. So go away and see something. It's something actually, it's, it's, I think it's maybe Gregor Townsend's influence, actually. He's maybe, because mm. obviously he travelled a lot during his career, and I think he does encourage people to try to do that. Um I agree with you, and you know, I, you know, I'm probably not as concerned about the the Edinburgh letters as you will be. <laughs> I, th- I think it does it does smack of a lack of ambition, and it's a shame as well because I think I think by all measures Hamish Watson's a fantastic player, and mm. um, I I get that, that again the human element. You know, he's got family, he's got he's settled, he's got a settled life here. He will be well looked after here, but. You know, there's. I feel, but it's funny. I'd feel, I'd feel different as Jamie Ritchie because I think Jamie Ritchie's a younger player. So within the next, he, you could see from Jamie Ritchie's point of view, right? You know, I will commit my future tenure because I can see yeah. something. Richard Cockrell's building something here. I can see that if I, I can manage my game time in the next few years, and let's see where we are in five years. I'm going to be twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, or even a one-year deal for Hamish Watson yes. to say take you, take you up to age thirty, and then you go get your payday. You go, you go and challenge yourself abroad and get get a, a payday. It either that or Edinburgh have absolutely thrown the checkbook at him. Yeah, which is which is the other option, and it's you know makes him financially comfortable. And like we said, you know he has been unlucky with injuries, so he gets managed a bit better. But I just yep. yeah, I, I I you know I look at all the, I look at the players that Edinburgh have had and I look at some players that Glasgow have had and you look at the players you Grant Gilchrist an example of someone who's yeah who and Ben Toulis is the same occasionally play absolute worldly worldies and have got all the potential in the world to be world-class players Ross Ford like you say but are very happy and comfortable to stay with what they know and I'm not saying there's not an argument for that in the way they manage and stuff but I just think if you were driven and had ambition and wanted to win things, you wouldn't stay in Scotland to do that. Yeah, and it's back to that argument of what are you a professional rugby player to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah make a living out of it, but ultimately you you're choosing to be a professional rugby player to try and win things. Yeah. You know, that's that's at the heart of what you're doing, I suppose. And then you've got, I mean, you've got Andrew Davidson. The other example, Andrew Davidson's left Edinburgh for Gloucester. Now, Andrew Davidson struggled at Glasgow, I think, to get a place, so ended up at Edinburgh. Yep. And I, I'm sure there was a deal, I think, from reading things, there was a deal on the table for him to stay at Edinburgh as well, but he's chosen to go to Gloucester to try and prove himself, to try and show that he can, that's, that to me is a positive that he wants to go and do that. Yep. As uh, from reading um, various sources, the deal that was on the table for Andrew Davidson was insulting, to say the least. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because he's a, he's a person who's struggled at both pro clubs to get game time. But yeah, every time he's left, so he left Glasgow, and everyone was like, "Oh, I can't believe he's left. That's such a shame." You know, what what a talent, what a potential he had. And the same's kind of happened over at Edinburgh. Um, so I, I think, you know, uh, a move down south is really good for him. Let's see how he goes. You know, ultimately, he was fourth or fifth choice at Edinburgh. Hopefully, he'll go down to Gloucester and it'll be the making of him. And then I think the, the probably the point to finish on here is ultimately every player that moves down south or moves to France is opening up a space for someone else to come yeah. in and try and take that shot yeah i mean jamie batty again this this was after the last podcast has gone down to bath with immediate effect because you know he wasn't getting game time at edinburgh yeah and he needs game time to get into you know and that's the way especially in those positions where there isn't the versatility you you know you are kind of fourth fifth end up fourth fifth in the pecking order and there was an interview with jamie lyle on rugby pass where jamie batty said you know he was and again this comes back to how, how players are coached and managed in scotland that you know in that interview he's saying He's constantly being asked to drop pounds, and he's making himself ill doing it. Yep. Now, if that's not his natural way. If that's not the way he he plays, or the way that he needs to be, then I'm not sure that that's the best way to coach a player. If he's you know saying, "Look, I'm, I'm as slim as I'm going to be. I'm I've dropped everything I can. I'm spending all my time in the sauna. I'm making myself ill as a result." He yep. shouldn't ever be pushed to do that. 
No, especially when you look at the, you know, rugby's, and this is back to our, our previous chat about kind of what is a rugby player's body. And ultimately, you know, you look at a loose head comes in many shapes and sizes. Um, you've got your Ollie Cable style loose heads, who is, you know, seeing him packed down at tight head was not a surprise because yeah. he is massive. And yeah, he gets through a power of work, but he is a big, big lad. And then you've got maybe smaller, like the most beautiful prop in the world, Alan Dell, who's yeah. on the other scale, you know. So there's, yeah, I mean, you just got to find what works. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Brock has asked a question here. I think he's talking in relation to Hamish Watson. Is it, could there be a risk Watson, yeah. by leaving Embry, he could lose his place for Scotland? Could that have come into his thoughts? Now, I, I think you look at what happened to Alan Dell, and there's an argument for that because he did lose his place for Scotland. He's way down the pecking order now. Hamish Watson's different though. I think Hamish Watson is widely regarded outside of Scotland as being a world class open side. Yeah. And so I don't I don't see I don't think that was ever a risk for him that he would lose his yeah. place. There's no cups with Allendale on them. No. In in, in Murrayfield. <laughs> Hamish Watson's one of their more marketable guys. He's yeah, he's not gonna lose his place um going abroad. You know, it's that idea of he, it, we're surprised that he hasn't because we know he could and yeah. he would have been fine and that's that's all because again you talk about Hogg, Russell, Johnny Gray guys like even Richie Gray when he went uh, when he left Glasgow you're still looking at these guys going these are world class players these are our best players they're going to be in the Scotland team yeah um, the other news that's happened since we were off the air is um, we've I, I, now, if I'd been able to do uh, a theme tune, I would have played the rainbow theme tune for this. Up above the streets and houses, Pro 14 flying high. Oh, yes. It's the Rainbow Cup. So, apparently, and this is like a lot has happened since this was announced, um, the uh, format for the 2020-21 Guinness Pro 14 season was confirmed. and an end-of-season cup competition, the Rainbow Cup will take place to introduce the Vodacom Bulls, Emirates Lions, Cell Sea Sharks, and DHL Stormers from South Africa following the withdrawal from Super Rugby. So basically, the four big South African teams have withdrawn from Super Rugby officially. The Cheetahs and uh, the um, Kings have gone from the Pro 14, and they've been replaced by basically the top four teams in South Africa. So there's this kind of there's this rainbow cup that's apparently going to take place in June, and fans will be able to watch it on Premier Sports, and they're going to play like a mini cup. Yeah, in June yeah. prior to I mean it's it'd be prior to the Lions too, and again we'll come on to that later whether that's happening, but <laughs> like a wee kind of like an amuse bush as opposed to like the Pro Sixteen. Yeah, it's definitely got a better ring to it, hasn't it, than the pro whatever it's going to become. Um, just for clarity's sake, because I know a lot of people were confused about this, the Rainbow Cup is not a Mario Kart Cup. No, you don't, however, it's, not the, it's not the one where you can fall off the sides of the track. No, however, it is a cup in Mario Tennis and Mario Power Tennis. Uh, and it is the first of the star, uh, the Star Cup tournaments in those two games. So, if you th- if you were thinking Mario, you were right. Wrong game though. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's a really the way they done it was was interesting. And I think you know, it's always good to. It's a it's a really badly kept secret that they were the the four South African teams were coming in. Mm. So it's a good way to introduce it. Whether it happens or not, let's let's keep our sceptical pants on for that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if it goes ahead, from a Glasgow perspective just now, I'd be absolutely terrified to see us take on top-class South African opposition. Um, yeah, I think we might we might take another dose of the COVID at that point and take a 28-0 uh, yeah. and be happy with that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, it was always going to happen, so we'll see. We'll yeah, see, I mean, the, see how it the Kings and the Cheetahs coming into the Pro 12 to make it the Pro 14 was always a bit like an advanced part, an advanced yeah. kind of party, having a bit of a feel and a check to yeah, see can how it can, actually work. Can it work? Is it workable? But you know, the the yes, the traveling's hard, but the time difference is fine. Yes. I think that I think is. Now we've got the four teams in. I think the one thing that's going to be interesting is how the altitude works. Yeah. 
because that's something that you you know takes time to adjust to. I mean, I think there's an argument that you one of the best ways to do it is just to go and get it over, go and play the rugby at altitude, and then come away again. So yeah, potentially that could work. But go and get it done. From a marketing point of view, I think it's not you know the pro. 16 as it will be will then be the main rugby attraction within south africa so that's going to be very different to the the kings and the cheetahs playing and it being the you know the sideshow almost yeah kind of in competition with super rugby still yeah no it'll be be interesting i think there's been plenty of talk about obviously you know the, the the tv money that the cheetahs and the kings brought to the table when they joined the pro 14 and you know that's it's not going to be any different when the the four sides join. You know, there's there is a lot of interest in rugby in South Africa for obvious reasons, and there's broadcasters that will put money into it. So it's not a bad outcome for uh, for the pro whatever we are pro twenty three or whatever we end up yeah. being once by the time we get the USA involved yeah. as well. Um, well Fourteen groups of uh, of uh, three teams that then play each other on an odd Saturday every every twelve to sixteen weeks until Leinster win it. Until Leinster, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> doesn't matter what format. Oh, Although, I mean, as as uh, Graham Love points out that. Um, you know, Leinster have not won a game all year, so... Well, there's that, isn't there, of course. We live in hope. We live in hope. Aye. So, be, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I think that the, it'd be interesting to see what crowds they now get at these games yeah. because, you know, even prior to COVID, there was, like, one man and his dog watching the Cheetahs and the Kings matches in the Pro 14, but you know, I think the the other those other four teams, the Bulls and stuff, get, get good crowds at games, so... It's a shame as well because the Cheetahs mascot was absolutely cool as, oh, cool as means. Yeah, and you get, and the other side of it is you're going to get the, you're going to get big name South African players coming and playing, those that aren't playing for sale. Well, yes, yes, sale and Gloucester and, and France, Edinburgh, yeah, and in France, but yeah, you, you will get some big name players coming over. So there's that draw as well. So yes, that will be that one to watch. Um, should we talk about Emmering Glasgow in 1872 now, John? Let's, let's briefly talk about it. I think everything that needs to be said has been has been uh, written down. Uh, by, I think by my myself. main my main summary was uh, I put this on our super secret social media page that I don't think you could describe it as a game of rugby under the Trade Descriptions Act. <laughs> I was really t- I was so tempted to steal that line <laughs> from the article. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was. I mean, I get where people are coming from that in some ways it was almost, it was almost like, it was, to me, it was similar in a way to the first half at Twickenham when we were getting absolutely pulverised by England. There was almost an element of kind of masochism that I didn't want to look away just in case, uh, because I wanted to see how bad it could get. And like, by the time we got to the 64th minute on Saturday, it was like there was a real possibility of a nil-nil. Like, like th- this is peak Scottish rugby right here. I, nobody is going to win this. We're both going to lose. This is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't able to watch it live. I've watched it back since. I wasn't able to for my sins. I watched it back since. <laughs> but I wasn't able to watch it live. So I was following on Twitter, and there's a tweet that the offside line put out, which said something like. Um, Glasgow, you know, Glasgow kick out on the full, and so Ember have a twenty-two dropout, and they kick out on the full. And I was like, that is Scottish rugby, pro yeah. rugby right now in a nutshell. It's just, I was, uh, it was actually, it was just after it was Brandon Thompson right in front. That's of the it. Misses, misses, missed it. Missed it. Missed it. And it's, I think this the the, I think the problem is where we are in the sea, and this is the worry, and it comes back to the lack of ambition. We're talking about Hamish Watson and a, and a mentality point of view that. I think, rightly or wrongly, Ember and Glasgow seasons are over this year. It's a weird season. It's a development season for everybody, really, although whether or not they're using it as a development season, I, I don't think they are, and they should, but they possibly should be, and we'll, we'll probably yeah. talk about that in a second. But that's the, the, there's a, an element of complacency. It's you know We're playing against each other. These are our mates. We, we turn up to every international, and they make this fake... It's the 1872 Cup. It's the biggest rivalry in rugby. It's not. I mean, the last, the first time they played a game was 2007. So it's only like 13 years or something like that. It's not. 
you know, it's it's not some game that's been played for ages. It's a it's a Reds v Blues international tryout prior to the Six Nations, yeah. effectively. And I think, unfortunately, that's how the players. So whether or not they, I don't think they deliberately go out to treat it like that. But I think there is that mentality of we'll just go out and we'll have a throwabout and we'll hit each other and we're just trying to. I'm trying to cement my side in the, you know, the, the Six yeah, Nations, yeah. and and as a result, you get this sloppy, unclinical play of people th- throwing daft passes and balls being spilt forward. You know, there there was an opportunity there for one of the sides to play really clinical. Just yeah. stick up the jumper rugby and and absolutely take the other side to town. But it's just mistake after mistake for both sides. And there's at that level, it's there, there's no excuse for it. No, no, I think I think that's absolutely fair. The I, I described it as on Twitter as being Scotland's supposed best players doing an impression of Scotland's worst players and I was being slightly harsh on it but it was really really poor stuff and for me the issue wasn't necessarily the, the basic skills were lacking a lot of the time and that's obviously an issue but there was two elements that kind of struck me one the conditions were perfect the conditions were it was a lovely day to go out and just play a wee bit of rugby. And as you say, both this both seasons are absolutely and utterly done, right? When they announced the Rainbow Cup, they announced the change to the playoff system. Uh and in, in the pro as it'll be the pro twelve up to that point. Um they they've announced the playoff system's change. So there's no chance, certainly from a Glasgow perspective, there's very little chance we're going to make it and Edinburgh are much the same. So there is an opportunity to start going out, entertain, you know, give give people at home a reason to miss being at Murrayfield on a freezing cold January uh, afternoon. Give them a reason to remember, you know, thinking, oh, I really like this rugby lark. Instead, we go down the route of let's have one-up runners hitting into a man twice and then kicking it. Repeat, rinse. You know, you know the most exciting thing was a horrendous pass that got hacked on by uh, uh, Magnus Bradbury, and then he nearly fluffed his lines whilst over the whilst over the line. It was, you know, dreadful. Yeah. But the, the the other element that probably kind of stands out, and I think this is a real concern. Like, I'm not obviously been flipping about, you know, international hitouts and stuff yeah. like that. It really is concerning the decision making that was was taking place edinburgh could have been miles ahead and there was obviously decisions getting taken on the park not to take the points but to try and crush the glasgow pack which they were doing quite regularly but they still were sitting at 64 minutes at nil nil yeah it was really bad decision making yeah i I think like you said that the the glasgow team and your bit using you they, they look they don't look in great condition and I know they've come off the back of you know their, their enforced isolation after being exposed to Exeter's yep. shenanigans with the, with coronavirus <laughs> and half the squad coming down with it. But Exeter virus is it's no Exeter. <laughs> but they, you know, they, so that so so that but not to be in as bad a condition as they they are in. And also, I think the you know the, the issue of a fly half at Glasgow as well. Now, you know, I don't want to kind of slag off Brandon Thompson you know he's he's had a really run of he's been put in a very difficult position because he's yes. he is I think has has shown over the last few seasons that he's not capable of, of playing 10 at, at pro level and that's you know, and he's under contract to Glasgow and that's fine I think he, he's obviously a very competent fly half and that's absolutely fine he obviously showed a lot of promise because I know he got a cap at under 20 for South Africa which is why you know, when everyone got excited about the South African fly half coming through, there, everyone like, oh no, he's actually tied to South Africa because he played in a, yeah. an under twenty game. That was, he's obviously got the ability, but there's some re- for some reason he's he he doesn't he lacks something that that allows him to play at that level, and and he's put in a very difficult position where he's been asked to play there every week by Glasgow when he's not capable of doing so, and yeah. rather than change it up and bring in a young player. And say right, there's your chance. So Adam Hastings is out injured. Pete Horn is is not an option at ten. <laughs> you know, let's yes. get let let let's let's blood somebody for for the rest of the season. I, it's inexplicable that you would keep going with a guy that's missing kicks in front of the posts. The, the the point I made on our 
group chat that we, our sort of private chat we have in any other line of work it comes down to the manager if the person they've asked to do a task right so they've asked brandon thompson to do a task they've asked him to do a job at 10 he is clearly not confident like it does you do not need any sort of qualifications to look at that guy and look at the performances in the last couple of weeks look at the performance in the last couple of years i criticised Brandon Thompson about two years ago saying he had the worst game of rugby I have ever seen in my life he has now managed to hold do a hold my beer moment and uh, usurp that but like that was two years ago and the fact that Danny Wilson is sending him out there like basically a lamb to the slaughter he's sending him out there with no confidence every time something goes wrong on the park you look at a guy like Finn Russell something goes wrong he knows he's got the confidence to go, you know what, it's fine, I'll get the next one. But he's also got a whole lot of money in the bank with regards to that. And I don't mean his salary at Racing, I mean his past performances. Brandon Thompson doesn't have that. Yeah. So every time something goes wrong now, fans are on top of him. Everyone's on top of him. And this is what I was talking about with you, Cammy. 2021, I am not blaming Brandon Thompson for that in the slightest. He should never have been on that park. He's not confident. He's actually, you could go as far as to say he is actually not fit for work just now. And that his confidence is completely shot. He shouldn't be out there. Yeah, and I think that's, there was an interesting thing this week I was reading with, and this is, we've we come back to this again and again with Scottish rugby, that there was a, a thing on Radio 4 this week they were talking to the English cricket team out in Sri Lanka. They've got a, a, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist with them for that tour yep. to, to, to with them because they acknowledge that, you know, being away from family, they're away for three months from their families and stuff to look after them. Now, it's it has been singular. This is something that's lacking in Scottish rugby and I think it does it. It's, it's Scottish rugby's biggest weakness and it's yet to be addressed is getting one one having somebody on the staff that does this full time and works with the players from a mental point of view and gets them, you know, helps them, and you know that 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 needs to happen. I think you know because there be so many players who talked about the mental health issues they've had, and in Scotland it is so difficult because you're not you don't get the game time. And you are constantly going, you know, unless you're one of the top players, you're not going to get the game time. You're always going to be on the fringes. And some players who've come out, you know, after the Dave Rennie era have come out and said, I'm absolutely fine with my place in the squad. I thought the way Dave handled it was fine. And you've had other players say, I was constantly promised game time. I never got it. I was constantly disappointed. I felt constantly undermined. I felt like I was never getting anywhere. And, and my mental health suffered as a result. I think demonstrates a need for that. Fine. The guys that are like, no, it was fine for me. That's brilliant. That it was great for you. But not everybody deals with that in the same way, which is why you need a clinical psychologist, not working with both, you know, work not two for each team, but just somebody working across Scottish rugby that can say, you know, that guy's struggling. Do you know? And that, that, let's get get in because there's also the kind of the, the machismal kind of side of it that, and, and there's a good podcast. If anyone, uh, Damien Hughes, who is the current or was, I think, up to the, the current kind of. Um, Oh, he's an occupational psychologist, I think is the right correct title for him. He works with Gregor Townsend at an international level. It's a podcast he does with Jay Humphreys where they talk to people in sport about um you know the mental health and about what it takes to, to you know put in winning performance. And they spoke to Sia Khaleesi. And one of his things was like, you know, how do you be a, how do you be vulnerable as a man? And you know, to talk this is a World Cup winning captain talking about this stuff you look at the top players and the top teams in rugby right now the, the all blacks and south africa they are buying into this wholesale they are talking about being vulnerable they're talking about psychological safety but sticking brandon thompson out you know who's missing kicks in front of the the thing is is not what where's the psychological safety in that where is allow you know yep. you know allowing someone to be vulnerable where's the support there I, and it's not and this is why this is you know that's the difference, I think, between Scotland and the best teams in the world. It's not necessarily... Yes, we don't have the quality of players across the board. We have yeah. some. We have parity in some areas. The difference is purely psychological. And until you have someone working full-time in Scottish rugby dealing with that, we, we are not going to win anything. 100%. 
and that's you know, and that's and that's where we are with it. And you look at and that game in a nutshell is where's the clinic? Where's where is the clinicalness in that game at the eighteen seventy two from either side? Yep, you've got two teams either afraid to win, afraid to play the ball, or absolutely having brain farts all over the place because they're just chucking it about because they haven't got the focus. No, I think I think that's absolutely right, and that kind of summarises very well uh, where we're at, and you know. We've been talking about this for years now, and we'll keep talking. Maybe yeah. someday. Well, they've may... adopted. I think they've officially adopted pinball in the in the Scott. The official, on the official, yeah, on the official yeah. rugby account. Maybe if we keep talking about employing a, a, a psychologist full time enough, they'll they'll yeah. do that as well. They, they do have to listen to us after all. So <laughs> contractually obliged to check with us. Um, too bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else on Edinburgh, Glasgow that you want to t- touch on? Or... Uh, no, just rubbish game of rugby. I hate box kicks. Um, and I'm glad Glasgow didn't win it in the end because um, I think it would have covered a lot of the sins of what was an absolutely honking performance. Okay, well, we'll do it all again Friday night. In the meantime... Yes, it's hands in the ruck time. It's our any other business section of the podcast where we talk about things that have pleased us, displeased us, annoyed us, things that have had their hands in our ruck this week. So it, it can be beyond Scottish rugby. It can be beyond rugby even in some cases. We don't care. It's just a chance to to cover some of the wider issues. Uh, there's, a, there's a coup going on in America, John, as we're online. There is. Yeah, How as exciting. We, as we speak, there is actually a what? coup going on. Yeah, And that's is. not a cow. That is not, we're not talking no, about it. No, no. It is not a healing coup. It is an actual coup. Which is, uh, yeah, well, we'll have to, I'll have to catch up on that later. I was just thinking, why is my group chat going mad? And I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I'll check that during the jingle. Oh, dear. Actually bonkers. <laughs> so, um, so, anyway, so that's happening as we speak. Um, the It's got that, it's hands in America's rook. Um, we've had one contribution this week. Um, I had put the shout out late because we it was quite a late call whether we were actually doing this or not because of lockdown issues. But Border Badger got in touch, regular long re, long time listener, regular contributor to Hands in the Rock said uh, the BBC his Hands in the Rock is the BBC seeing Curry and Underhill uh, are shoo-ins for the Lions despite Mish's stats being off the charts. That's annoyed uh, me. I think I has annoyed. I, I think they've. This it's the same thing with any Lions selections. You get annoyed at them because. They, they only comment on the games that they watch and the games that they watch unless you've got Ember and Glasgow in Europe are the premiership yeah. games and the, and the, a bit of get players in France. And maybe maybe the Finn Russell, Leinster game. Yeah, Finn Russell's then... highlights reel. That's all anybody watches <laughs> during the Lions picks. That's it, yeah. I, I know it'll be, the, it'll be the starting Lions 10 based on, based on his highlights reel, to be fair. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. You're, you're, you're asking... English-based journalists uh, to pick a side based on what they know about rugby and what they know about rugby is English-based. So it's always going to end up with... And don't get me wrong, I think Curry and Underhill are both very decent players. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Hamish Watson will be in, you know... For every, for every time we've criticised Warren Gatland on here, he has never shown a bias towards English players. So No, and I think that's... Uh, I'm getting the Lions chat without doing the jingles, but we'll do this week. I had a, an interaction with, some, with um, somebody on Twitter this week who was kind of having a pop at Mark Dodson. Yeah, Mark Dodson, sorry, Mark Palmer from the Times. Yeah. Um, about, you know, Mark, Mark had picked his, his Lions team and he had a fair smattering of Scots, but he made the very reasonable point that it's all very speculative at the moment because we haven't played the Six Nations yet. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and we'll get. I'm going to get onto the Lions, where the Lions two is even going ahead in a minute, anyway. But the and I don't think that if you were picking a Lions team right now, yes, you would want more. You arguably you'd have more Scots than Welsh players in because Wales had a poor autumn and Scotland had a slightly better one, albeit we had a poor end to it. And yes. pl- player, for example, Jamie Ritchie, I think probably played his way out of Lions contention if you were picking yeah, it now. Definitely. By the end of it, I think you going into this though. It depends what kind of Six Nations Scotland have ultimately as to how many players we get. If we lose all our games, 
then uh, you you can't expect them to have a big representation. If we play badly away to England and France, I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect a large representation. If Wales play reasonably well, then fair play. I think that's what it comes. It always comes down to the Six Nations beforehand. Yeah, I, th- I think you know people always talk about that Six Nations as being key. So um, it really is in this case because obviously we've we've had that break in rugby last year. So um, I think it's absolutely crucial. Yeah, and I think that the, the other thing is that really looking back at the last two lines too, can we honestly say that the Scot that the people that didn't go from Scotland. 100% deserve to go above who went in the end. Now, the only two people I can think of are last time round, so 2017, Hamish Watson over James Haskell and Finn Russell over Dan Bigger. Now, the yep. the, the Russell-Bigger thing, I think, is debatable. I think probably 50-50 call, given where Russell was at the time. Watson-Haskell, I, 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 people have made the point to me since that Haskell brings something to the camp that Hamish Watson can't do. And that's the social side of things, and that's driving people on in training and being vocal and being James Haskell. And right, whether you like that or not, it's something extra. And yeah, Hamish Watson yeah. was never going to get near the test squad, let's be fair, in 2017. Even with the party up top that he's going with, he's not the most sociable of characters. No. So, uh, yeah, you can understand that. But, yeah, I mean, I think now... This time round, there is going to be some tighter calls, and you know, I, I, yeah, let's see how the Six Nations goes. And let's if, get a, if we lose a few, then you know. And let's get a Scottish coach in the room. We haven't had a Scottish coach in the room for the last two years. One of the last time round, that was our fault because Gregor Townsend declined to go. Yeah, yeah, and you can understand his logic. He just started his job. Um, this time round, he's been in post for quite some time and will continue to be in post for quite some time as he's obviously got his contract extension yep. through to the World Cup in 2023. Yep. So, um, as uh, Gavin Brock is saying, the BBC vote had Finn for 10 at the Lions. Now, again, I was asked, do you think Finn, you know, should Finn Russell be the 10 to the Lions? I, I, I don't honestly know at this stage because I don't know who else. It's He's the only, basically, he's the form 10 at the minute, but you, you don't... If you look at historic Lions tours, you don't necessarily pick the form play. You pick the player that plays the game plan you want them to play. Yeah. And right now, that could be Owen Farrell, for all we know, in Warren Gatlin's thinking at 10. Well, exactly, yeah. So it's all speculation. As is whether the Lions, This is my hands in the rock. As is whether the Lions yeah. actually goes ahead because of coronavirus. Now, there was an article by Rob Kitson in The Guardian that was saying everybody in world rugby should bend over backwards to make sure the Lions happens, whether that's in the autumn or whether that's in the summer of 2022. What absolute rubbish. Yeah. Right? The Lions, and I'm all for the romanticism of the Lions, and I know Scottish people that that's been eroded away after years of us being utter pish and the <laughs> and and not getting selected for the Lions, and justifiably so in many cases. Yep. But yeah, my love for the Lions is gone. I, you know, I, I followed it in '97, but then after that, after years of not having anybody on the tour, you do start to lose interest. A whole generation of Scots lost interest in the Lions years ago, but. Even putting that to one side and the romanticism and the history that are on the Lions, you need pragmatism. Look, we're coming off the back of coronavirus. If you can get the Lions to have played this summer, play it. By all means, play it. Right? It's scheduled yep. in. If it needs to happen in the UK, let it happen in the UK because that's the way, safe way to do it for coronavirus. If it can happen in South Africa and you can get everybody over there and play it in closed stadiums, by all means, do that as well. If you get the broadcast money to justify it. Yeah. Let's just get it out of the way this summer one way or another. By the way, South Africa have signed, have failed to sign up in time to get vaccines in place. So it's not looking good for a summer oh. tour to South Africa for a number of reasons. But yeah, and, and you know, postponing it till the autumn, well, that just buggers up everything else. But you know, like yeah. we we need to get games played in the autumn for the financial financial survival of the Northern Hemisphere rugby. Exactly, exactly. We need yeah. the I mean, tours the only, played the next summer. The only justification you can have for, well, to, to your point, I think you, the justification is that if you can swap the venue with a view to making money with the lines that are going ahead, broadcast rights, et cetera, and then distributing that amongst the, the home nations, then that's that's of value. But, and but, then, it has to be. but then the question needs to be, 
is is the money you make on the Lions tour the equivalent of four uh, yeah. four four, four, four nations sure. hosting their own tests in the autumn exactly. or four na- and also it's unf- you've got to think it's also unfair on the non you know the southern hemisphere teams who aren't part of the tour so you, yeah. know, you play it next you play it summer 2022 well, New Zealand lose out on the touring teams. Australia lose out on the touring yep. teams. You know, South Africa make all the money. It's, know, not it's not fair. It's not fair. So it, get play, it gets played this summer or it doesn't happen. And to hang with the romanticism of it all. Oh, I know, yeah. It's the romanticism's utter nonsense. What's at its hands in your ruck, John? So I, I've got a real, real positive... Uh, Yay! A lovely way Starting to off as we mean to go on, it will not last. Um, this 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 young gentleman uh, has made his way into the hands of the rock quite a few times for me in both positives and negatives. But Mister Hugh Jones, a shining beacon. What a beautiful man he is for a start. Just to get that out of the way again, what a shining beacon he was in an otherwise ridiculous rubbish Saturday afternoon. Um he continues to the 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 Hunaissance will we call it? Oh I like that. I like that the Hunaissance. Hunaissance, let's go with it. Um that was just off the top of my head. Yes, you can thank me later. Um yeah, he was just he looked so confident and you know people are saying obviously International call-up, getting back into the squad, played a wee bit of 13 as well. It was lovely to see, and yeah, I'm just delighted that he is back, feeling confident in himself, just in time to probably go and sign a contract elsewhere. <laughs> but at least that shows ambition, John. Exactly, that's what we like. And actually, from, a, from an ambition point of view, let's look at what he's done. He's seen that in order to get back in the Scotland team, he needs versatility because yep. he has to unseat Chris Harris. Chris Harris is no, in the squad because Chris Harris can cover the back three and play centre. Yep. Hugh Jones needs to get in. If he wants to. Get, he, he understands he's going to get on the bench and there's no way Gregor Townsend is picking someone that can only play 13 on the bench. He Great. wants someone that can cover different positions. What, you know, what, what a... What a what what a fantastic career choice to do that to go and put yourself in that position at that, you know. And again, Hugh Jones is a young player, but you know, old to be switching make such a kind of I suppose a. The only other person I can think of, Richie Vernon, is the only one who's made such a sudden such sudden career switch. You know, a, a significant, um, you know, of such significance, but yeah. I no, it's, it's a brave, brave, brave move, and particularly as he's switching to a position where the Scotland captain plays. Mm. So he knows that he's not moving. It's not an easy choice. It's not saying, you know what, I'm going to go and play. I'm going to go and play ten now because we don't have any tens. He's he's moving to a position where internationally, he's always going to be second fiddle to Stuart Hogg. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, or and you could argue maybe Blair Kinghorn. People would argue him. Probably people from the wrong side of Scotland would argue about him. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, I know I tee it up. Um, yeah, but they would be wrong, of course, because Hugh Jones has been playing much better. Um, so it's not it's not a it's not an easy choice he's made. It's an, as you say, it's an ambitious choice, and his market value now he is has proven he can cover the back three. He can. He's obviously a thirteen by trade. He's played twelve in South Africa, so you're now starting to versatility is so prized, and you know there'll be a big contract offer somewhere waiting for him. Yeah, which probably is probably not in Glasgow. No, but that's not. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing for for Scotland. It's not necessarily a great thing for Glasgow. And I, this is something that we are going to touch on in our Patreon special where we're going to look at the finance, the finances of Scottish rugby and where they stand. So if you want to listen to that, then you'll need to sign up for our Patreon. Go to scottishrugbyblog.co.uk slash, uh, no, patreon.com slash scottishrugbypodcast. You can go to scottishrugbyblog.co.uk and there'll be details there as well. Um, we uh, will put that out there. You can, there's other things on there. You can, the History of Sevens we did with Blood and Mud podcast and Professor yep. Tony Collins is worth a listen. There's some stuff... Um, we did a Christmas special quiz. It was good fun. Yeah, I've still not got over that. I was a wee bit upset about that. Spoilers, John. Spoilers. 
No, I mean, everybody's going to assume that I didn't win anyway, yeah. but, you know. You can play along online, of course. The quiz is available online. You yeah. can, but you got the quiz itself, you can play online um, along with, with, with it or with your friends at home. Um, you can also find that we also did a bit with um, Alan McDonald, friend of the podcast. We did a bit on concussion as well, we which was a very enlightening if you wanted to listen to that. Um, that's what we, we've, we've got to just over the hour mark, John, remarkably. Woo-hoo! And there was rugby to talk about as well. And we we talked mostly about rugby. So 45 minutes of rugby, 15 minutes of diehard and manscaping. The ratios are fine. What more could you ask? <laughs> so that's it for this week from the podcast. We'll be back next week um, with, with uh, we'll, I'll look back at the 872, catch up some other bits and bobs and news, starting to get excited about the Six Nations, if it happens. And again, we're going to talk about that in our uh, Patreon special in a moment anyway. But... For the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from John. Goodbye, folks.